the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this final weekend of January 2022. Where has the month gone? I'll look at news in a minute, but first I want to tell you that my guest in the interview segment is Dr. Alveda King, the niece of Martin Luther King. We met years ago at a Priest for Life event and a number of times since then. This is actually an encore of an interview I did a couple of years ago when she was in Rome for a Vatican meeting during the Christmas season. What is so astonishing is that I could have actually recorded this last week, as so many issues are current, as you will hear. The March for Life was last weekend in D.C., and I think you'll find her comments about the pro-life movement so timely. In addition, her birthday was the day after the march, January 22nd. Happy birthday, Alvida! And now, some of the news highlights of the week at the Vatican. Sunday, January 23rd. At the Angelus, after reflecting on the day's gospel and reciting the Marian prayer with the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square, Pope Francis made a heartfelt appeal for Ukraine, calling for a day of prayer for peace in Ukraine on Wednesday, January 26th. He expressed his concerns over the increasing tensions that threatened to overturn chances for peace in Ukraine and security on the European continent in general, noting, quote, those who pursue their own objectives to the detriment of others show disdain for their own vocation as human beings, as we have all been created brothers and sisters. Monday, January 24th. In his 2022 message for the World Day of Social Communications, Pope Francis says listening is an indispensable first step in human communication. This message is always released on the January 24th feast of St. Francis de Sales, patron of writers and journalists. After focusing last year on seeing reality and conveying it to others, Pope Francis this year emphasized the quality of listening saying it is decisive in the grammar of communication and is a condition for genuine dialogue. The title of this year's message, Listening with the Ear of the Heart, invites us to reflect that listening involves more than simply the sense of hearing. True listening is a foundation of genuine relationships, and it is foundational to the relationship between God and humanity. Also Monday, Pope Francis met with the canonesses of St. Augustine from the Congregation of Our Lady, and he urged them to continue to follow in their founder's footsteps and help young people restore a taste for life. He noted that, faithful to the evangelical intuitions of their founders, St. Pierre Fourier and Blessed Alix Leclerc, the sisters are committed to popular education, education in the faith, education in justice and closeness to the poor. He encouraged them to be missionary disciples and communities of hope and joy in the various countries in which they work. Tuesday, January 25th, Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, Pope Francis presided at Vespers at St. Paul's Outside the Walls to conclude the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. The theme for the Week of Prayer was taken from the Gospel account of the journey of the Magi to Bethlehem to adore the child Jesus. We saw his star in the east, and we came to worship him. The story of the Magi can help us along the path to full unity, Pope Francis said in his homily, focusing on three stages of their journey. 
its beginnings in the east, their passage through Jerusalem, and their final arrival in Bethlehem. Wednesday, January 26th. At the general audience in the Paul VI Hall, Pope Francis dedicated his catechesis to St. Joseph as a man who dreams and who knows how to discern the voice of God and act upon it. Francis reflected on the four dreams of the foster father of Jesus, starting with the appearance of the angel as Joseph slept, helping him resolve the conflict that arose when he learned of Mary's pregnancy. Joseph immediately heeded the angel's words and took Mary as his wife. In the second dream, warned that the life of the newborn child Jesus is in danger, he promptly obeys God's voice, fleeing with Jesus and Mary into Egypt. In the third dream, Joseph learned that those who sought the life of Jesus had died, while the fourth directed him to return and settle in Nazareth. Francis warned of other voices within us, the voices of our own fears, experiences, hopes, as well as the voice of the evil one who wants to deceive and confuse. Thus, he said, it is necessary to cultivate discernment, which allows us to recognize the voice of God among many others. After the catechesis, and speaking a day before the January 27th International Holocaust Remembrance Day, Pope Francis stated, This unspeakable cruelty must never be repeated. He urged families to remind younger generations about the millions of people, especially Jews, killed at the hands of the Nazi regime, and to never forget. The Holy Father also made an appeal for Ukraine as a threat of war looms. He had named January 26th as a day of prayer for peace in Ukraine. Thursday, January 27th, Pope Francis addressed members of the Apostolic Tribunal of the Roman Rota at the start of their judicial year. He stressed that in their work, there must always be understanding for people who suffer because of the breakdown of their marriage. He reflected on the theme of synodality with regard to annulment cases, reminding them that their mission is to be at the service of families. He said, we need to rediscover that all the participants in this process are called to contribute to the same objective, and that is shining a light on the truth about a concrete union between a man and a woman, and reaching a conclusion as to whether or not there is true marriage between them. When presenting the possibility of nullity, it is necessary to make the faithful reflect on the reasons that led them to request the declaration of nullity of matrimonial consent. Francis said any deliberate alteration or manipulation of the facts in order to achieve a pragmatically desired result is inadmissible. Also Thursday. On International Holocaust Remembrance Day, Pope Francis had an hour-long conversation in the Santa Marta residence with Hungarian writer and Auschwitz survivor Edith Brooke. He had previously visited her Roman home last February. A Vatican statement said the two focused on the priceless value of passing down the memory of the past to young generations, including its most painful aspects, so as to avoid falling into the same tragedies. Friday, January 28th, Pope Francis met with members of the International Catholic Media Consortium and urged journalists to remain faithful to the truth by always checking facts and respecting individuals. The consortium has 36 Christian media as members. The consortium is run by news websites Aletea and iMedia and by Verificat, a fact-checking agency. In fact, last year, they set up the Catholic fact-checking website. The consortium has a scientific committee that draws upon the work of experts in epidemiology, theology, and bioethics.
Quoting Pope St. Paul VI, Francis said, Communicators must observe facts carefully, check their accuracy, make a critical evaluation of the sources of their information, and finally pass on their findings. The burden of responsibility is all the greater when, as often happens, the reporter is called upon not only to give the simple facts of a case, but also to explain its implications by providing commentary and the elements needed for a fair assessment. Also Friday, Pope Francis met another group of Spanish bishops who are in Rome for their ad limina visit. Well, those are the week's highlights. Now stay here for the Q&A and then my conversation with Dr. Elvita King. Welcome to the Q&A portion of Vatican Insider. I've been asked by many people about the origin of the word scapular, so let's look at that today. Well, the word itself comes from the Latin scapula, meaning shoulder, and it refers to a small piece of cloth that goes over the shoulders of the wearer with one piece hanging in front and a second hanging in back. A scapular is a sacramental, and there are generally two types. Monastic scapulars first appeared, it seems, in the 7th century with the Order of St. Benedict. These were a somewhat larger length of cloth, suspended both front and back from the shoulders of the wearer, often reaching to the knees. Monastic scapulars originated as aprons worn by medieval monks and were later extended to habits from members of religious organizations, orders, or confraternities. The second kind, the devotional scapular, is what most of us would wear. It's a much smaller item and evolved from the monastic scapular. Perhaps the most famous is the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It is adopted from the scapular of the Carmelite order and represents a special consecration to Our Lady under the title of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Those who wear it practice it as a special devotion to Mary. Pope John Paul always wore a brown scapular. When he was in the hospital after the attempt on his life in 1981 and saw the scapular he wore had been bloodied, he immediately asked for a new one. Another well-known scapular is the green scapular, a gift given to the world by the Blessed Mother through a series of apparitions to a daughter of charity, Sister Justine Bisque-Bureau, in the early 1840s in Paris, France. It's considered to be a powerful aid in spiritual and physical healings of those who wear it. This is Anne, Program Director for Siouxland Catholic Radio, 88.1 FM. Catholic Radio is more essential than ever. It provides spiritual guidance and insights and is a powerhouse of Catholic education, 24 hours per day, 365 days per year. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. EWTN Global Catholic Network is the largest religious media network in the world. 11 global TV channels, English and Spanish radio networks with over 500 AM and FM radio affiliates, one of the largest Catholic websites in the world, dozens of podcasts every week, social media, electronic and print news services, and EWTN publishing. EWTN is the global Catholic network. For more about EWTN, visit EWTN.com. This is what St. Teresa of Calcutta, also known as Mother Teresa, once said about prayer. 
Love to pray. Feel often during the day the need for prayer and take trouble to pray. Prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of Himself. Ask and seek and your heart will grow big enough to receive Him and keep Him as your own. That is why we need prayer. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, welcome to another edition of Vatican Insider. And I have a special guest today. Her name is Alveda King. I think you all know her, but I'll just kind of bring you up to snuff. Of course, she's the niece of, of the beloved Martin Luther King. And she's an activist, an author, a former repre- uh, representative in Georgia. And now she has Alveda King Ministries. She's a pastoral assistant and director of civil rights for the unborn and also the African-American Outreach for Priests for Life and the Gospel of Life Ministries. And, of course, um, you grew up in the civil rights movement. Obviously, that was your whole life. And your pro-life work now is really kind of the continuation of that. But first of all, Alfredo, welcome to Rome and my home. You know, Joan, I'm so excited. When we first met, uh, we're kindred spirits and had so much in common, just even your your beautiful Christmas decorations, your art and all of that. And we talked about life and, and found a mutually uh, agreeable place of it's not hopeless. We're just going to keep doing this work and we're going to win. And so now in your environment, in your home, looking at all the uh, beautiful pictures of your family and where you've traveled. I'm so encouraged. And we're right, we're near the Vatican, right? Yes. We're not far from the Vatican. Uh, right across the street, you see the Dome of St. Peter's from my living room and dining room. I think that's amazing. And so to be here with you and uh, in our ongoing journey, yes. I'm just honored. Exactly. Well, I'm honored too. And I remember our very first meeting actually was at Father Frank Pavone's 25th anniversary of his priesthood. And, Island. And, yeah. Right. And the 20th anniversary of Priest for Life. Now, you mentioned the Vatican, and I actually want to go there for a minute because one of the big fans of your uncle, of Martin Luther King, um, is Pope Francis. And, of course, I needn't remind you of the various talks, but I'll remind our our listeners of the references that the Pope has made on different occasions to your uncle. So I want to just refer to the first one, of course. He uh, addressed Congress, the Pope did, in 2015, and he held up four Americans who, he said, offer us a way of seeing and interpreting reality. And he first spoke of Abraham Lincoln, and then he said, Here, too, I think of the march which Martin Luther King led from Selma to Montgomery 50 years ago as part of the campaign to fulfill his dream of full civil and political rights for African Americans. And Pope Francis said, that dream continues to inspire us all. I'm happy America continues to be, for many, a land of dreams. Dreams, he said, awaken what is deepest and truest in the life of a people. So maybe just to comment your reaction when you heard the Pope in the U.S. Congress speaking of your uncle. I was amazed. I was blessed to hear the Pope speak so favorably of my uncle. You know, Joan, I have a saying, when peripherals collide, convergence is imminent. And sometimes you will see these things happening, especially among world leaders. And so here we hear the Pope not only making mention of my uncle, 
But noting that the life and the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr., my dad's brother, A.D. King, Daddy King's sons. And so here he's uh, putting in context and history here in the 21st century. And then I thought about this. I, when I first met Father Frank Pavon from Priest for Life, he was quoting this from Martin Luther King Jr. in the late 1990s. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The next thing we must be concerned about, if we are to have peace on earth and goodwill towards men, I say people, is the nonviolent affirmation of the sacredness of all human life. Man is a child of God made in his image and therefore must be respected as such. And when we truly believe in the sacredness of human personality, we won't exploit people, we won't trample over people with the iron feet of oppression, we won't kill anybody. And Pope Francis embodies that same thought Yes. And we see that here in this century. Absolutely. And you've got a Pontifical Academy for Life. You've got offices in the Vatican, obviously, promoting this all, all the time. Of course, Father Frank being so uh, familiar with that. And, you know, another point of convergence, uh, to even to use your word, between the Holy Father and, and your uncle was the Martin Luther King's global message of nonviolent resistance in the face of persecution. And that's all we're hearing these days from Pope Francis, isn't it? Whether it's uh, some country in Africa, whether it's the Middle East. Well, what I admire and respect about Pope Francis and People ask me that all the time. Well, what do you think of the Pope? Never met him. Be nice if I could. And, and that may happen in Rome if everything's possible and impossible right. in Rome at the same time. But it, we, we may meet. And I thought that just the fact that the Pope sees the whole globe, but he sees every person on the globe having value. And that is something that's a universal, understandable thought. And uh, my uncle felt that way. And I'm very touched by it, too. And the fact that it has to be nonviolent. Mm -hmm. that, that's the most important thing. The Pope is always stressing dialogue. Mm -hmm. Dialogue, reconciliation, these are the, the paths um, to peace. Now, just for a moment, I want, since we're talking about pro-life, tell me about your work for the unborn in, in your ministry. My grandfather, Martin Luther King Sr., rescued me from uh, possible abortion in 1950. My mom and dad were engaged. She wanted to finish college, and Daddy King says, no, you can't have that procedure. That's not a lump of flesh. That's my granddaughter. They wanted to do a DNC with mother because abortion was illegal. But granddaddy convinced her, and my father stood with his father. Uh, A.D. and Daddy King says to her, no, we're going to have a family. And so granddaddy said, I saw her in a dream three years ago. She has bright skin and bright red hair, and she's going to bless many people. Wow. I was born with strawberry blonde hair. <laughs> And all of that. And so all these years later, after I was deceived uh, by the forces of abortion, Planned Parenthood in America and all that, had secret abortions and a miscarriage related to all that, and then was born again in 83. And my uncle's, Martin Luther King Jr.'s words began to make sense. Granddaddy's dream made sense. I was supposed to live. And I began to say, a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body. The baby's not her body. Where's the lawyer for the baby? How can the dream survive if we murder the children? And I've been a pro-life voice in America since 83. Yeah. Well, you and the Holy Fathers and obviously Mother Teresa, St. Oh, uh, Teresa of Calcutta, talk about a yes, yes, talk about a voice for you know. I, I'm going to say something that sounds so ingenuous and just Pollyannish, but when I think of the of the pro life movement, it's like um, 
how can there be anything other than pro-life? You are right, pro-choice for your body, but that is another, another whole human being. Human being. A total human being. And Where's that lawyer for that baby? Exactly, and science has proved that, and I remember giving a, a speech to the pro-life group in Notre Dame a few years ago, and I said at one point, you know, I said, if I, all of a sudden, I'm standing on the stage addressing you, and I pulled out a gun, and I shot someone in the fir- and killed them in the front row, I said, you would be horrified. Mm-hmm. You'd take mm-hmm. me off the stage, you'd have me arrested, mm-hmm. I'd go on trial, the whole thing, right? But... You're taking another life. It just happens to be little. It isn't born yet. You can't see it with your natural eye. But you can't see it, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so I guess that's what confounds me about we shouldn't even have to have a pro-life movement. It should be so natural to to, to everyone. The first right, the first civil right, the first human right is the right to be born. Exactly. By the way, I did forget to tell our listeners that Elvita King is in Rome for a conference uh, organized by a number of people at the Vatican, uh, some mutual friends of ours, and it's a conference, a forum for Catholic-inspired NGOs. And NGOs, in case you don't know it, is non-governmental organizations. I was on a lot of Vatican delegations. One of our members was always, when we went to international conferences, one of our members always was dealt with the NGOs. So now that begins Monday. So hopefully we can talk again about that conference. I look forward to that. Yes, tell me uh, about that. I'm excited to just be here, to be present, to be a part of it, and to commend those who are standing firmly for life, to encourage those who want to and they could do more. And so just to be present, to be prayerful, it's a great honor for me to represent Priests for Life here. Oh, that that is wonderful, and um, I think everybody at the conference will already have known of Priest for Life, so they're going to know more with your presence. But I want to go back again a minute for your work, but to your uncle. Tell us what Martin Luther King, what inspired him? Martin Luther King Jr. was inspired by God all of his life. In his early life, when he was a college student, he explored all the religions of the world and all that, and he wrote some things. Well, I don't know. That's my dad's old religion, and I need to see. But he had an encounter directly with God himself uh, in a time called a knock at midnight. And he said he heard the voice of Jesus say, Martin Luther, stand up for truth and justice, and lo, I'll never leave you. And so Martin Luther King Jr., my daddy's brother, A.D., Daddy King, the whole family, Mama King, all of us were uh, just Christians all the way through. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man of God. And with that inspiration, he found the courage. One of his books, one of my favorites, Strength to Love. And he had the strength to love, love, to care about humanity. And uh, so those are things I remember. And what inspires you? The same God that inspired my uncle, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and uh, people like you. I'm inspired by your work, Joan, and uh, encouraged by it. And uh, we're walking in this journey together in life and to be able to do what we do. I see you've got all the technology, computer, this little gizmo that you're recording (laughs) with. So if we could just use all of this media and technology for good and continue to tell the truth, it makes a difference. 
We have to inspire people. We have to give them hope rather than tear them down and speak negatively of, of people and destroy reputations. Really, you're, you're right. All of this has to be used for the good. And even Pope Francis has issued messages for the World Day of Communications mm-hmm. on how to use for good the, all the means of social overcome media. Overcome evil with good. Be not overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So the more good and truth and light we can put out on social media, the better. So I, I really want to say to everybody that you're able to reach, John, don't be afraid of technology and media. No. Use it for good. Absolutely. My last question before our time runs out now, but we'll talk again after the uh, conference on Christian-inspired NGOs. Obviously, Martin Luther King, your uncle, was very famous for his I Have a Dream speech. And, of course, it was a speech that it called for an end to racism. It it called for civil and economic rights. Freedom is equality, etc. And um, I want to know what your dream is. Well, my dad, A.D., my uncle, M.L., Martin Luther King, one of their favorite scriptures, Acts seventeen twenty-six, of one blood, God made all people to live together on the face of the earth. It inspired my uncle to say, we must learn to live together as brothers, I had as sisters, or perish as fools. So my dream, continuing, moving forward, and I've given it to the children, my children and grandchildren, is that we learn to stop fighting each other, live together on this earth, love each other according to God's word. And that is the message that I do my best to proclaim from the womb to the tomb. Exactly. And I just want to ask you one thing, because he, uh, in this I Have a Dream, Getting Rid of Racism, do you feel that, that today, here we are in 2017, has the word racism taken on maybe a connotation it shouldn't have? Has it changed in these years? People are using and misusing the term racism and the term race. But when we realize we're one blood, one human race, and once we really understand that, and that's what I say to people, don't tell me my race needs to get along with your race unless you're a Klingon and Dorian or somebody out of Star Trek. (laughs) So let's just be human beings. And that's the message that we can proclaim now. And we have to remind each other. We are one red-blooded family here on the earth, and we can recognize that. So... Absolutely. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to you right now, Alveda King, after our brief conversation. But again, we will come back after that conference, and both of us will have learned some new things in the meantime. So anyway, thank you today. By the way, this is Alveda's first trip to Rome. It sure is. Yeah. It's amazing. I saw the, what's the fountain? Trevi Fountain. Trevi Fountain already, and that was wonderful for me to be there. And then I saw people from every ethnicity. We were getting along with each other. We weren't arguing. We were eating the same gelato. And so uh, we can be brothers and sisters. I'm enjoying Rome, and I see the possibilities here. Wonderful. Well, we're going to go and have another cup of coffee and uh, chat again and see you again after the, after the conference. God bless you. God bless you. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.